I don't understand why every CEO and every business and everyone trying to sell anything doesn't have their own podcast. What's up, everybody? Eric here with another episode of Brands That Podcast. And today I have an incredible episode for you. It is with the CMO of Privy, Dave Gerhardt. Of all the people and all the marketers that I pay attention to, Dave is someone who is a huge proponent of podcasting, and I consider a leading voice on how to use podcasting to grow your brand. And I think you're going to love the strategies we talked about today and some of Dave's tactics. They are definitely something that most people, when you first think about using a podcast to grow your brand, aren't considering and aren't thinking about. And Dave's concept around the the true value and ROI of a podcast for your company is something I think you're going to be surprised about. And I'm not going to share what that is here in this intro. I think it would be better served for, for Dave to share his thoughts on that. And you can hear it in his own words. But it is something that um, is a little bit under the radar. Of course, there's listeners and downloads and leads that most people will think about with the ROI of a podcast. But Dave has another metric another use case that you could think about here. So I really, really hope you enjoy this episode. I think you will. Let me know what you think and take care. All right, Dave, first, I want to say huge congrats on the CMO role at Privy. For those that don't know, Dave was the former VP of marketing at Drift and then recently joined the e-commerce marketing platform Privy after being the first marketing hire and one of the first, I believe, like 20 or so employees at Drift and helping grow it from zero to eight figures in revenue. Is that right, Dave? Yeah, I was um, maybe like 10 or 12 uh, people around when I joined, first real full-time marketing person. And marketing team was probably about 30 people when I left and then was there for a little bit more than four years and then uh, jumped over to Privy where, uh, you know, totally different space and totally different team. There, there's five of us now and it's I'm, I'm having a lot of fun you know, despite all the craziness that's going on in the world right now, like my job is a good distraction. So it's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I've been following what you've been doing since kind of your early days at Drift. And then obviously with your transition over to Privy, one thing that, and you mentioned, you know, with the craziness going on, we're recording this on April 8th in the midst of all the, the Corona stuff. Um, and I just wanted to shout out what you guys did at Privy with the shop small e-com platform that you built. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that, but basically what it is, is an aggregation of e-commerce sites that can basically fulfill any need or product that you would ever want outside of Amazon. Um, and I thought that was a really awesome thing you guys put together there to help people find find things they need right now. Thanks. I appreciate that. I mean, it means a lot because we wanted to come up with something that was, we wanted to do something meaningful and just figured like, wait a second, we have this amazing opportunity where there's, there's you know, 400,000 merchants that are using Privy. We got to be able to like get some of those people that would be willing to like let us put their website on our website and, and help get them traffic. And uh, it's it's been like something like 2,500 sites and we could put more up. We just like physically can't put more, more up. We got to figure out how we're going to like fund this thing now. But yeah, the, the response has been amazing and I'm excited about it. Obviously, because of the opportunity to like help businesses thrive while you know things are pretty tough, but also I think like 
there's a real cool play here where like this could be like an Amazon for small e-commerce brands like if we mm. really do it right. So I think there's a huge opportunity for for both us and and the merchants. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I definitely see this as something that could continue, you know, post all this craziness and just kind of live as its own entity in perpetuity. I, I love it. I think it's a great platform. So yeah, kudos to you guys on that. And and yeah, I'm really excited to talk today. You more than almost any other marketer I pay attention to talks about the value and strategies of podcasting that you've used to grow Drift, that you're using at Privy, and also before b- both of those companies. I know you've done some other podcasts. And so, you know, when it comes to B2B podcasting, I really think you're you're on the leading edge of this and really want to get your thoughts today about how brands can take some of those lessons you've learned and apply them for themselves. Funny because I've been, for whatever reason, I've been like posting a ton of stuff lately about why I love podcasts so much. I don't know why. <laughs> it's crazy to me because like, I think if you look at the landscape of podcasts, like, and even just as a consumer, right? Like I, because I'm home right now, I, ha- I have not been doing a good job keeping up with podcasts because it's like, when am I ever going to listen to, you know, usually during commute or sometimes depending on the type of podcast during work, I could listen. But like, I think even though as consumers we, we're, we're having a hard time keeping up, I actually think it's still super early to get into podcasting. Like if you just look at the math, there's over 20 million YouTube channels and there's 700,000 podcasts. And like why can't a podcast be the same thing as a YouTube channel, which is literally like your own mini radio show for your business, for whatever. It's just crazy to me that that people are still not adopting. Like that, I don't understand. Here, here, let me try to say this in a different way. I don't understand why every CEO and every business and everyone trying to sell anything doesn't have their own podcast. Mm. Why do you think that is, Dave? Because I think there's a perception of like it being complicated, right? Because it's all of a sudden like, how do you go from you and me talking to like, I I think there's a lot of barriers, right? Like people would even, I was going to say like, how do you go from you and me talking on this Zencaster right now to, to, to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, right? Which is one set of questions. But there's a lot of people who don't even know how to record audio. Like they don't even know Zencaster, right? Or Zoom. <laughs> like, well, now everybody knows Zoom, but how many people are, realize you could record a podcast over Zoom? You're just not thinking of it, A. B is there's a there's a perceived hurdle of like, how do I edit it? I need music. I need cool stuff. Oh my God, who's going to do this? How do I have the time? How am I going to get it into Apple Podcasts and Spotify? And like, I need, I need a, a, a logo for it, cover art. I need all that stuff. Uh, then there's another perceived, you know, barrier, which is like, how am I going to get guests? Uh, what are they going to say? What if it's not interesting? What if nobody ever listens? Like it's all objections. It's all the, these false beliefs that, that people have. I, I think more so than anything else. Cause I think blogging has been around for a while. Social media has been ar- around for a while, but in any of those channels, you always hear those objections of like time, effort, knowledge. And I think the same is true with podcasts. Yeah. And this is, you know, something I've seen you talk about, which is almost possibly a solution, like a fundamental solution to those objections is how you have thought about and actually used yourself the podcast content to be the anchor for all the other marketing content that you create. So like repurposing for the blog, for social media, if you video the podcast, taking clips of the video, um, using it for ads. Like, can you talk a little bit about, about that sort of strategy that you use for it? Yeah, I mean, and you're seeing it, right? You're you're a member of the the A-list, which is like my, my private group on Patreon for marketers. And I had this new like realization, which is like, wait a second, I do a ton of interviews and stuff. Like, can I just ask 
those people for like you, can I ask you for the audio and post it to my group? And like, no one's going to say no to that because I'm also increasing the exposure of, of your show or whoever's show. And, and it's also a, a great way for me to get content that might be interesting to my audience. And so that's like one example of that in a nutshell. But the reason so I, I love it because it can be re- repurposed really easily, like, like I just mentioned there. But when you think of it as an anchor, right? Like the challenge of blogging and social media is like a lot of people try to, they make a mistake, like I'm going to build a brand. And the way that they try to build a brand is through like writing blog posts and posting on social media. And those things work, but it's going to take a lot. It's going to take thousands of blog posts, like unless you're going to write some viral hit, which you're not going to do. But with a podcast, like I like the idea of starting with with your big anchor. And so like, instead of trying to figure out like 10 different marketing channels, I wanted to at Privy specifically, and we did this at Drift, start with a podcast because if you do a podcast, then you have the audio recorded. And if you have the audio recorded, then you can easily turn it into a blog post. And if you don't have the time to write, you can send that to a ghostwriter or an intern or your cousin who can literally listen to your voice and transcribe that into marketing content. And then if you have 15 episodes, you could turn them into a mini series or a a slide share deck or a book, or even if you, if you video your podcast, right, you could create all these mini video clips. It's like, it's the one form of marketing that I can think of that gives you so much leverage as opposed to like, you know, you, you write, you write a great 1500 word article, but, but then what, right? Where if I did the same thing over audio and and I'm doing this with the A-list also is like, I record a ton of like three or four minute podcasts, like literally just me going for a walk and, and sharing a thought on marketing, because that is so much more powerful than like, it's going to take me two hours to write a 1500 word post and try to say what I'm going to say versus if I just hit record and just like let my mouth start talking, I'm going to make the same point and you can do it way quicker and it's much more scalable. So I just, I just love it as a, as a, as a format for, for marketing, like audio makes things so much easier. I heard a phrase from someone once, which was sometimes you can open up a G doc and it's blank screen and you have to write an article and you can't figure out what to write, but you usually don't not know how to talk like if you just talk like something will come out yeah and that's sort of the the essence of what you're saying here if you just talk something's going to come out a right b you don't have to edit it like i am i i think one of the the things that i that i don't care about is is the like high production editing out of ums and ahs and dead space because like i think what what people want is real conversations. And so like, you know, with our e-commerce marketing show at Privy, that's, we're calling up experts in e-commerce and I'm just interviewing them. Like, I don't know a, a damn thing and, and I'm just going to try to learn. And then we, we slap on some music and we post that, right? That's one way you could do it. The other way is like, you know, when I go and walk and take my trash out, I'm like, I got this thing. I got this thought about marketing on my head. And um, instead of sitting down to write, I'm just going to talk. And I don't care if, I say um and ah a lot and I stumble a lot and I and I you know change my mind and say it 15 different ways because I guarantee you that by the end of that four minute episode, I'm gonna make my point and it's gonna happen. And then I also love it because then I've crystallized like my my thought process. And so so now I have that four minute episode where like I force myself to spit out that idea. Then if I want to go back, I could turn that into an article and now I've had more time to think through it, right? It's like it's the power of like recording a voice note to yourself in, in your phone. Totally. And, and I mean, I see value in all sorts of different sort of production styles, but I think what makes podcasting so powerful is that it's real. So like the overly produced shows, I found myself personally, just as like a power podcast listener, I listen to a lot of shows. 
I tend to gravitate less towards those than like just the off the cuff, like, you know, one or two people talking and it's clearly not overly produced. It just feels more like that personal connection that I think what podcasting is, is best at. Yeah. I mean, it, it also, it depends on like what, what you're, what you're trying to go after, right? Like, you know, there, there's definitely amazing long form, like highly produced podcasts, like the NPR style podcast, This American Life or whatever. Those feel more like a movie production to me where I love, I love podcasts as a channel for like, if there's something specific. So like I love marketing. And so I have like one or two marketing podcasts that I listen to and I don't need music. I don't need intros. I don't need anything on those because I'm listening to them to learn more about marketing and from these, from, from particular people. Right. Or, or maybe there's a comedian that you, that you like, like you just want to listen to that person talk. You don't, you don't need all the bells and whistles. So I think you, you can totally do it without a ton of perceived effort. I posted something today. This is not related to podcasts, but I think it's an important lesson, which is like, so Anthony Canada, who's a, the CMO of Front now, he was the CMO of Gainsight before. He started this thing called CMO Office Hours, where every Thursday at one o'clock, he invites like two or three CMOs on in B2B. And, and they just talk like, they just talk about whatever, like what, what's happening in marketing because of COVID. And, and I was on like a week or two ago and he probably, there's, there's like 300 people on there. He probably had a thousand people register for it. And all it was, was literally a Google form that he posted that he, he posted something on LinkedIn with a Google form to register, to register. And then if you, if you, um, submitted on the Google form, you got an email from him with a, with a link to the calendar invite. And it was just a, a zoom call. No slides, a Google form, no landing page, right? But because the content was good, it drove registration and people wanted mm. to stay. And now and now they're going to come back again. And so like I think that – and this happens all the time in marketing. It's the same reason why like people think that you have to go and hire a six-figure creative agency to redo your brand or, or to create a brand at all. Like it doesn't have to be always the, the most highly polished version – of whatever you're going to do. And by the way, now Anthony's going to go back and and now that this show has already now that it's already launched and it's be and it's good and people like it, now he can go in and confidently like invest in a website, invest in the branding mm. and, and really go scale it out and he knows it's going to work now. Yeah, I love that because it also just lowers the barrier to entry to actually taking action on getting getting the thing started, whether that be, you know, in this case the CMO conversations or um, and what we're talking about with like a po- getting the podcast started, which you you talked earlier about all the objections to actually starting. If it doesn't feel like this huge undertaking and more more so, well, let's just get something started and it will evolve over time. That's sort of an easier place to begin. But I wanted to ask you about how you actually like kind of the X's and O's of maybe how you did it at Drift or if if privy is the more relevant one right now obviously cuz that's where you're working how do you facilitate that anchor content like do you do you have a process that you know once you've recorded an interview it then goes through certain channels of the team or project management process and it's sort of this like refined engine or is it just really depend on the content and the episode what you actually want to repurpose from that episode so it- it's different everywhere, but I think at Privy, what we did was like, I, I made this a key, I wanted to make this a key part, a key part of our marketing strategy. So like after I took the job, you know, I've been spending a lot of time with Ben, the CEO talking about like, you know, 
areas for improvement, you know, where, where we're really strong, whatever. And, and then started to work on like, you know, a framework for, for a 2020 plan. And, and given the, given like the, the budget and the team size and all that stuff, like we're never going to be uh, a more than like 10 person team most likely. And so I knew that we weren't going to have a, a huge team. And I also knew that like, you know, we weren't going to have, we, we didn't have like a hundred, we didn't raise a hundred million dollars in, in VC funding. And so like, I wasn't going to have the biggest budget to work with. But I wanted to like create the most create the most leverage, and so like I think one of the first things that that we did when when I joined was go out and go work on the show and the concept of it, right? The, the design, the branding, the, all that stuff, the, the theme, because we were like this is going to be a core part of our marketing strategy. So we baked it into the funnel. Verse like the, mm. I think a lot of people don't know how do you they don't know where a podcast fits because they're trying to fit it in as opposed to making it the, the thing, right? So like. You already have a blog. You already have a webinar. The podcast gets hard to promote when you're at an existing company and there's already a ton of things going on. There's a sales campaign. There's a webinar. There's an event. There's a blog. Okay, then it's like, well, shoot, where am I going to fit? The, like, where does the podcast fit in? Like, we we're, that that's not growing because we're not promoting it, right? We're here. Like, we have an opportunity. Like, let's make it the anchor because if it's the anchor, then we get everything from that. And so we've just made it a, a key piece of like the marketing toolkit and. You know, we just set it. We set a system up for it. Like, there's somebody on the team. Her name is Lauren, and she owns it. And so, you know, we like we book guests. Her and I go back and forth. She does she does prep, and she you know comes up with killer themes and questions. And and then we book a guest. And then after the episode, we kind of dig in through some of the topics. She'll go back and and pull out some of the notes, and we'll riff on like, ooh, that was a really good segment. Yeah, that was a good point. Okay, so why don't we, why don't, oh, that's a really good topic. Let, let's turn that into a, a post for two weeks from now, right? Oh, shoot. Uh, what she mentioned was really good. Let's turn that into a, I wonder if she'd do a, a webinar series with us. Like uh, an example mm. is, um, I had, I had um, this woman named Savannah Sanchez on the podcast and she does, she's like a, a paid social media expert. And so I had her on the podcast and she was, she was really smart. She's really good at talking about like what she's doing with Snapchat and Facebook and, and, and how budgets are changing based on COVID and after the podcast episode, after we listened to it, we were like, wow, we should, we could do something more with her. And like, you know, now that we've already talked to her, it's not as big of an ask. And so after the podcast, I went back to her and I emailed her and said, Hey, this episode was awesome. I bet our, our customers, our audience would love it. If like, they could actually ask you questions. Do you want to, do you want to uh, do one of these masterclass sessions with us? And, and then last week we had 700 people register for a zoom call where they could just do Q and a with her. And so like the podcast wow. is baked into everything that we're doing. We're even like, writing we're even writing blog posts that are based on show notes from podcasts that we had you know two months ago where val geisler who's an amazing email copywriter she talked about like her dinner party strategy for email that wasn't the hook for the show but a month later we published a post about that because it's a tip that's going to help our audience like write better content and it's not about promoting the podcast it's about this helpful nugget of content and the way that we happen to get it was through the podcast so like the podcast is an amazing way to find content um, and so we just have, have made it front and center of everything that we do. And now it's actually going to go the other way where things that we're recording for other things. So like we're doing these webinars and masterclasses, we're going to take the audio from those masterclasses and post them on our podcast. Cause I think it's going to make our podcast feed even better. And we'll just like record a quick intro on that. That's like, Hey, what's up? It's Dave. And on this, uh, two weeks ago, we hosted this masterclass on advertising. And this is the, we- this is the audio from the webinar. We're like, I think that's a huge. That, I think that's going to extend our reach of, of webinars and, and and on-demand content in a big way because 
even if you send out a link to a webinar recording, how many people are going to sit down for an hour and listen to it versus if you edited the audio and then published that on your podcast, like it's, it's reasonable to expect that, you know, the same people that listen to your podcast are going to spend an hour and, and, and listen to like a Q a live Q and a with someone. Man. Yeah. That, uh, that was so much gold right there. And you've been doing that for the A-list podcast that you have. And I, I haven't really seen too many others doing that in their podcast feed where they're putting other audio or video content and stripping the audio and putting it in their feed. Cause it just has seemed like historically people think of their podcast feed as this sort of like prime real estate that nothing else can touch, but they're very specific episodes at a very specific cadence. But after seeing what you've been doing with that, can we talk about that for a second? Which is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like exactly. I would love to. Yeah. Okay. So, so like I, and that's such a common objection and like my take on that is like, okay, so what the, the 137 people who currently listen to your podcast are going to be like really upset that you start doing this. <laughs> like, uh, uh, unless you're, unless you have, you know, you have such a big audience that you can't possibly do that. Like, I think that that's the, that's the problem with, with the perception of what a podcast is, right? It's not, it's not a, of course, if it's supposed to be a movie or a Netflix series for your brand, then like, of course, if you're creating how I built this, you're not just going to take a webinar recording and put it in your podcast feed. But most, most B2B companies aren't doing that anyway, right? You're closer to this than anyone. How many people outside of like a Wistia with, with what they do with Brandwagon have done a podcast at that level? Very, very yep. few. Very few. So yep. most of them are using it as like we're gonna. Hey, we sell sales software. We're gonna interview a hundred. We're gonna interview VPs of sales every week. Great. That's what that's what like everyone does for their podcast, which is which is totally fine. That's a strategy that I like. But if you're gonna do that, why don't you add more value to that feed mm. by by thinking of your podcast as a distribution channel, not necessarily as like a movie. I think I think a podcast is is a place where more you're going to have more access to people listening to your content. Like more people are going to listen to content because um, it's an audio and you can go for a run and really go listen to it. Then they are going to sit down and like, hold on, I got to catch up on this, you know, webinar from gong.io that I got to listen to. <laughs> no, it's so true. And I, I, yeah, I love that approach. I think it's super smart and more folks should definitely do it. We'll actually do it for this show. You've inspired me to, to do that here. Cool. But what I'm curious now about is like, You've talked a little bit about this in the past, and it obviously will depend on what your industry is and whether you're B2B, B2C, but how do you think about measuring the success of a podcast strategy? Like, you know, obviously, again, it depends on what your business is and who you're selling to. You can measure leads generated, downloads, subscribers, or what we've been talking about, which is maybe that stuff is just icing on the cake and you're just able to create content at scale with the podcast as kind of the Trojan horse for that and everything else is just, you know, the cherry on top. Like, how do you, Boom. how do you think about the ROI of yeah. the podcast? You just, you, you just said like that, that's, that's it. That's the way to think about it. That's the way that I think about it. Like, I don't know if I've ever articulated it so nicely. So I'm going to now steal that and never give you credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's true. And, and, and the reason why I said that is because that's, it's a similar thought that I've had about events, which is like, and this is in a pre-COVID world where like everybody's doing events, but like I think of the value of people ask the, the, the ROI of an event. Well, it depends on what type of event it is, right? But for mo if you're doing like your big brand event as a company, I think 50 to 75% of the ROI is in creating content. And so if you're going to do a two-day event and you have everything recorded, you could legitimately get three to six months worth of content from your event from that. And I think like, 
that's a that's exactly the way to think about podcast ROI, especially because like marketing attribution is like it's gotten much better. A lot of the brand channels though are still very hard to measure, like content, unless it's from you know SEO or there's a direct conversion on it. It's tough to measure, and I think that like. Think about how much friction there is in a podcast. You have to download a podcast app. You have to find a way to click subscribe. You don't get any of that data from Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Like it's, it's even harder. And so if you're going into that thinking of like, I'm going to create a podcast because it's gonna, we're going to sell more, that's going to be a tough approach. But like, I think for me, I think of the ROI in a podcast in two ways. Number one is the, the, it's a con, the, the Trojan horse for creating content. And then number two is... It's a way to build an audience that, that that's much different than a blog. So it's build an audience and, and Trojan horse for like capturing content. Yeah. And the audience part of that, how do you think about that? Because I also heard you say, you know, for all the shows you've created, which um, I think you've launched like four or five podcasts at this point or something like that, that listenership has not grown more than about five to 10% per month. And, and this is something that we see a lot where Folks are thinking first and foremost, the success of the podcast is tied to, you know, skyrocketing listenership in this sort of like viral way. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on like that concept, but also anything you've used to grow the listenership. Like I love some of the stuff you were doing at Drift where you would with Seeking Wisdom and things like that, you guys would do the six star review shout outs and social proof with the iTunes reviews and, and different things like that. But it's it seems like it's one of those things that there's no like quick hack for you just have to it's just about consistency and putting effort into it and, and caring about it and getting good guess. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's it's a lot like it's a lot like content and blogging in that in that world where like you know, it's it, it takes time and, and it takes time to to build an audience. And like, I think that I know some more things now where like, if I was going to launch a new show, I think there's enough things you could bake into it where like it could grow really big. But I think for your average show that you're going to do, it's probably, it's probably five to 10% month, uh, a month in growth. And I think most of the growth is going to come from content, right? And that's going to be from 90% of that is going to be from guests, and the other 10% is probably from like the ability for you to stand out and, and say something in a different way or be super unique. Cause I think uh, a lot of us do like interview style podcasts, but, and, I, and I, I'm not criticizing cause I, I do this all the time, but like we're often like all just kind of interviewing like the same, you know, it's 80 20 rule. We're all talking to the same people where like if I got Kylie Jenner to come on the e commerce marketing show for, for Privy, like, and she, she has a billion dollar e commerce brand, right? Um, I bet you that we would grow. I, I bet you that that episode would do a hundred thousand plus downloads, like easily. And so it really is about guests and content at the end of the day. That that's all I've seen. We've tried, you know, we've tried everything from ratings and reviews, and and we had a good system at Drift when we did that, and and book reviews and giveaways, and that stuff works to a point. But it but it comes in it comes in waves, and I think ultimately it's got to be driven through through content and and consistency. I don't really know of like one hack to, to double your podcast audience. I'm, I'm not sure. And I've, this is, that's a big realization for me. Cause I think like up until maybe six months ago, I would, I would give you 15 different answers, but I think mm. of like tactics that you could use to grow your listener base. But I actually think it's, it's probably just one or one or two things. And it's, it's gotta be focused on, on good content. Yep. I, I totally agree. The other thing is also like, it, it, it depends on like, you, you don't need to, you don't need to have a huge podcast to be wildly successful, right? Like 
let's let's talk mm. about let's talk about b2b for a second if you're if you're a b2b company and you sell enterprise software let's say you sell enterprise let, let let's say you're let's say you're salesforce and you're selling you know enterprise crm right and they they're massive so like obviously this these numbers are completely made up but like just just humor me for a sec like if you were salesforce and you did a podcast and that podcast only had 250 downloads per month right but the 250 people listening were all like marketing ops people at enterprise cloud companies like the ROI on that podcast would actually be huge because you're literally in the ears of your dream customers while they're at the gym, cleaning the house, going for a walk, on a drive. Like, I don't know how you could think of a better marketing channel than that. And so, like, I think that, you know, you don't, especially if you're podcasting for a business where you're not using the podcast as a means to to revenue. Like if I if I was a comedian or or or, or who or I don't know, some type of media company and I was creating a podcast so that I could grow a big enough audience that I could sell ads, then of course you might need hundreds of thousands of downloads. But if you're a business and the podcast is not to it's not a it's not a it's not a revenue channel directly, like you'd have to sell sponsorships that you're relying on, then you don't you don't need to build the biggest audience. Yeah, that's that's something I, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, it's something we talk a, a lot about too. It just depends, you know. Even like in your world, you guys are B two B at Privy, but a lot of your customers are B two C. So if they were to start a podcast, they may want to think about as big as they can get that show to be from a number standpoint. But B two B, I I completely agree. It doesn't have to be even even with a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, five hundred listeners, if it's the right listeners then you're in a sweet spot with that. But like even even in even in B2C like there there there's slices that like but let's take a let's take a B2C company, right? You you're not just you don't need to you're not trying to get a you don't need 100 million da- uh, downloads on on every episode. Let's say you sell CrossFit gear or baby food, right? You don't need every CrossFit athlete or every parent in the world on your show. There's probably some segment like it's just good marketing in general to 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 as Christopher Lockhead calls it like niche down and and have that niche and so I think like you should start with a podcast where you're really clear on the niche and like build that out because then you're always going to be able to expand and grow more versus like start so broad that you're not going to be interesting to anyone. Mm, yep. So how do you think about the value of a podcast listener? compared to like an email subscriber or a blog reader or a follower on social media. I mean, these are obviously all the places that people can pay attention to the content you're creating. Do you think that there is more or less equal value in a subscriber of your podcast than those other channels? Um, I I don't, I don't know. I I don't know. Like I don't have a good, I don't, I don't have a, a, a measure for it. I would say that just by the nature of like what it takes to go listen to a podcast and like, why you'd actually want to do that and listen to somebody while you're working out or going grocery shopping or going for a walk. Like it's probably a safe assumption to to think that like whoever is listening to your podcast is also on your email list and probably following you on social mm-hmm. media. And so like I could see it being more high value than than any other of those one of those other channels on its own, but but I'm not hundred percent sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's really hard to quantify that, but uh was curious on your intuition on it. So kind of wrapping up here, a few more questions and then I'll let you get out the door. I saw something you had written recently about obviously everything going on in the world right now with coronavirus 
and how you mentioned podcasting or just creating content in general, even if your buyers aren't buying right now, is one of the best things you can do so that when they're ready to buy in six months, they have been paying attention to you and and you are front of mind for them. I thought that was a really interesting take. Was curious if you could kind of expand on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think like content is always going to be important, right? Because even if even if people aren't buying, it doesn't mean that they can't possibly be interested in your business because even if they're not buying, people always want entertainment and they always want education. And so let's say you're in a you're in a really tough industry right now. I don't know if this is a good example, but travel, right? Travel's getting crushed. There, there's probably an opportunity where like people might not be buying travel software right now, but they're still thinking about it. Like there's got to be finance teams that that they're still thinking about it, or or there's an opportunity to not actually talk about travel at all. But if you typically sell to procurement and finance, like could you create a, a whole podcast series around like you know leadership and uh, from the finance team and or like what to do during these times and bring on a bunch of CFOs who are interested in the space and it has nothing to do with your with your product or service. But if you can build that relationship when you are ready to come back and start selling things again, three, six, you know, when, when people come back, three, six, nine, however many months it is, guess who they're going to turn to? Like they've already now built a relationship and know you and like you and, and trust you. And they're going to be more willing to buy something from you. And you're going to be able to like not have to fight the feature battle as so much, as so much. That's the power mm. of a brand. Like if I, if I've been listening to your podcast for months and I'm finally thinking about that software, I'm probably not going to have to poke as many holes and like I'm not I'm not necessarily sh- like you know doing the comparison of like well this company does this and this company does this like if they're pretty much similar but I know you and trust you and listen to your podcast like that's who I'm going to buy from and I think that's the opportunity with content right now like is even if people aren't don't have the budget and they're not you know pulling out their credit cards to 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 make a purchase it doesn't mean that that you should stop publishing in fact it's even a bigger opportunity to like invest more in your audience, change your metrics, right? Instead of it being revenue right now, could it be Mm. like, you know, podcast downloads or content subscribers over the next three months and go all in on those buckets? Yeah, I know a lot of people are kind of, you know, worried or stressed about the short term, which is totally understandable. And a lot of teams are going through that right now. But hearing you reframe it like that, um, it is scary to think about, you know, six months from now when like right now is kind of mission critical for a lot of teams. But if if the only option is, you know, we do nothing or we do something, in either case, people aren't buying. Well, if you do something in six months, to your point with this strategy, uh, you'll, you'll set yourself up way, way better uh, than if than if you hadn't done it. So um, I thought that was super savvy. And um, and yeah, kind of wrapping up, I, I'm curious what your opinion is, like of all the things we talked about. And when we first started, you know, you mentioned how YouTube has like 30 million channels and podcasts only has like 750,000 podcasts right now. I'm curious what your opinion is like where is this going to go? Specifically for brands. Like what do you think about the future of this, you know, 2, 5, like 10 years from now, whatever sort of timeline you think out to on this. Where do you see all this going and and how brands can can take advantage of it? I think I, I don't know. I, I I don't think like I think number one has to be like I don't think we've figured out I don't think we've figured out podcasting yet, and so I think to like to move on from that right now would 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 be silly. I do think that like I think there's probably two things. I think right now most people are doing like mostly medium, mostly like medium medium type content. Sorry, 
most people are doing like medium type content where, where I think the opportunity is in like more short form content. Like if you sell to salespeople, why not have a podcast where it's like two to five minute rants about sales? Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, I think there's a, there's a bigger appetite to do more highly produced shows where like you're creating binge worthy type of content, like a Netflix series where you might invest three months and, and like 200 grand in budget to go, to go do like a professional type of series where like, you know, you're profiling customers in your industry or telling, you know, interesting stories or like doing a documentary. Like, I think we're going to continue to see the balance is going to be, the balance is going to shift from like today V1 of podcasts is really like, you know, it's a lot of interview shows or, or like bald uh, guys who think they know a lot about marketing, uh, creating podcasts <laughs> about marketing. Right. And I think in the future, though, like as this matures, I think it's going to be truly like a, a form of of top of the funnel entertainment. Like if you're, mm. if you're, if you're like, I, I don't, I have a killer idea that I really want to do at Privy, just not right, to, not the right time right now. But I, so I, I can't share that one. Um, actually, yeah, whatever, I don't care. Um, if somebody's going to go do it, that's fine. But basically, like you know, the podcast, how how I built this, right? Like I think there's not like yeah. if, if I had. If I had a couple hundred grand in budget right now, I would go and I would find like 10 of the best small e-commerce brands that that have done that have like amazing stories like, you know, this woman started this company like out of her basement and she has three kids and like, you know, made this like ridiculous line of whatever and and now is like a multi-million dollar brand, like I would want to fly that, you know, fly to Ohio, film in her house, go to this, go to the, you know, retail location, dig into her website, learn, learn the business, talk to customers. Like there's a, how I built this version of, of that for like small e-commerce brands. Like that, that, mm. that's how I could really realistically say like, Hey, I'm going to need a million dollars to do, to do a podcast. <laughs> Man, uh, Dave, you, uh, you absolutely killed this. I, I can't thank you enough for, for taking the time, uh, to share your thoughts on podcasting. We mentioned, I think, earlier up top, I am uh, a member of your A-list community on Patreon. I can't recommend that enough. Even those two, three, five-minute episodes you do like, are just packed with so much value. And uh, really appreciate you putting that out and, and taking the time here and, and sharing you know, the work you've done at, at Drift and Privy with podcasting. So yeah, I mean, if, is there anywhere in particular you want to guide people too, if they wanted to kind of follow along or, or check out more of your work here? No, I'm, I'm, I'm a constant shameless self promoter. So just follow. Um, I'm just Dave Gerhardt on, on LinkedIn and you can just follow me there. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. All right. So there you have it. That was the interview and conversation with DG on his philosophy around podcasting and the power of podcasting for your business. And really my main takeaway from this is the value and the ROI of podcasting for your business is not in an arbitrary number of listeners that, you know, sounds cool, you know, 10,000, 50,000, whatever that number is that you want to be able to say at a party and impress your friends. That's not the real value. The real value is dependent on your business and your podcast could be overwhelmingly successful with even just a hundred listeners that care enough to listen to every episode and, and hear you talk for 30 minutes about your expertise and ideas in your industry. That could be enough. And so that's that's one of the main takeaways I have, along with how it doesn't have to be leads driven or again, number of listeners driven to anchor your success upon with the podcast, but it, it also can act as the Trojan horse 
way for you to create content at scale for your blog. So you can repurpose them into articles or for social media, you can create 20, 30, 50 pieces of social media content per week that have stemmed from the podcast, um, repurposing it on YouTube and all these different platforms. And the central sort of nucleus of it all is the podcast, which primarily if it's an interview based show, most of the content is actually generated by the guest. So um, this is really what I think is an under the radar philosophy around podcasting for your business. And I, I so appreciate Dave for taking the time to share some of it. Really encourage everybody to check out his private podcast community on Patreon. It's uh, the A-list and you can find it on Patreon. It's 10 bucks a month and it's the best 10 bucks a month I, I spend. Um, I get so much out of it. I don't have enough time to read all the books I want, but Dave's got these five minute, 10 minute episodes um, that are action packed with lessons that I think you all would, would really love. So check that out and then let me know what you think about the episode or what you think we should talk about going forward that would help you understand the, the channel of podcasting better. So feel free to hit me up, Eric, E-R-I-K at lemonpie.fm or Eric Bison on Twitter. And yeah, if you, uh, if you leave us a review or anything like that and you email it to me, we'll send you something special. So yeah, let me know what you guys think. Hope, hope everyone's having a good day and uh, I'll catch you all in the next one.